Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Nasreen. And I'm Manali. This is episode number four, The Serious Thread of Textiles. This week, we're joined by Matthias Wallander, CEO of Use Again. In most cases now, people don't wear their clothing until it's worn out. The fashion industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world today. Nasreen, want to go thrift shopping? I've only got $20 in my pocket. That's enough for both apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. And then the whole club will be looking at me. <laughs> okay, Nasreen, let's get serious. Okay, fine. Besides being a chart-topping song, is there more to shopping at a thrift store than we think? I mean, the practice of hand-me-downs and reusing clothes is as old as humans have been on Earth. But when clothes got you literally covered and you have more than you need, what should you do with all the excess clothing you don't want? Is the thrift store my only option? This week, we'll answer these questions and more as we talk about textile recycling. And we'll discuss how getting rid of textiles might actually be a bigger sustainability issue than you might even think. Textiles are things made from fabric, like clothing, sheets, curtains, carpets. And apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur? Not the boots, just the fur. Anyway, every year around 80 billion new garments are produced. And according to the Environmental Protection Agency, about 16 million tons of textiles end up in landfills each year. This is like 6% of the total landfill volume. The main cause is because of fast fashion. Fast fashion is when inexpensive clothing is produced quickly by mass market retailers trying to keep up with the latest trends. Think Forever 21, H&M, Target. Because of how cheap and easy to buy clothes have become, the average American ends up throwing away around 80 pounds of clothes each year. That's more than the weight of a small child. And you know the worst part? Only about 15% of that ends up recycled or donated, even though almost all fabric is fully recyclable. So where's the other 85% going? Well, I've definitely thrown away old jeans because of a hole I couldn't fix. Most people just throw away clothes that are worn or torn. If they don't want them, why would Goodwill? But what people don't realize is that even jeans with a big rip can still be recycled. Companies like H&M, Patagonia, and Green Tree will take and recycle that old fabric if the garment can't be resold or reused. Unlike paper or plastic, in terms of textiles, you can resell, reuse, and then recycle. Basically, there are two avenues of making sure the clothes you don't want anymore don't end up in the landfill. There's donating which is reselling or reuse of things like the ugly neon orange sweater that your mom got you for Christmas, which is almost new, but you just want to get rid of. And then there's clothing that's at the end of its use, like your favorite black v-neck that you've worn for 10 years and it's got holes all over it, but the fabric can still be recycled. So of the 15% that people remember to donate, about half is reused and the other half gets recycled into other products. Of the reusable clothing, thrift stores will try and resell items that are still wearable and of a certain quality, and still in fashion. The rest of the items they will sell to a fabric recycler or export. This exporting refers to recovered wearable clothes being sent to other countries in places like Africa and Latin America. 
So let's say you don't want your bright yellow class of 2010 shirt anymore, or the people shopping at your Goodwill don't want to support the yellow jackets. Someone else might make good use of it. Or if you want to keep your memories but just never wear those t-shirts again, a fun DIY project would be to make a t-shirt quilt. For instructions, check out our website. I don't DIY. There's also sellers on Etsy who you can send your t-shirts to who will make one for you. Those are great ideas for reselling and reuse. But what happens to the clothes that I wore so much that are just too far gone to keep wearing? You already know I love talking about recycling. Let's talk a little bit more in depth about what happens with an unwearable material sold off or donated for recycling. First, items are sorted by type of material and color. This makes processing steps like dyeing easier later on. You also need to remove any additional debris like buttons or clasps. The clothes are then shredded and can either be turned into new threads or fibers. Or it can be used in the shredded form as insulation or stuffing for the inside of your mattress or washing machine. Oh look, it comes a full cycle. Spin cycle. You know we're on episode four and haven't yet gone without a cheesy pun from you. It's becoming a tradition. Wouldn't want to disappoint my fans. Ugh. Anyway, basically, using recycled material can lead to fiber and threads with weird lumps or be too worn out or coarse to produce nice soft fabric. A lot of the times, it's easier to recycle this material into things like mattress stuffing and insulation. Denim is often turned into housing insulation. You mean my house could be wearing apple bottom jeans too? Sure, Nasreen, but only on the inside. So, is that the only way we can recycle old clothes? Doesn't sound much like recycling. You can still turn old clothes into new clothes, but only about 0.1% of all the donated or collected textiles gets respun into usable fibers. This could be due to the material being contaminated or having different strength in the fibers. When making new threads, some of the material properties may be lost, so sometimes new fibers are also blended in. This could be fiber that's the same material or different material to add additional strength. The mixture is then carded, which is a process that uses needles to comb through the fibers to mix and make them uniform. The blended mixture is then respun into usable fibers for knitting or weaving. Manali, you keep mentioning these blended items. Aren't all clothes just clothes and not smoothies? Clothes are made of all sorts of stuff. Just like smoothies, you've got your natural fibers and your synthetic fibers. Natural fibers are things like cotton, wool, and silk. Synthetic fibers are those pesky plastics again. These are things like polyesters, nylons, and the stuff they use in spandex. Even though these materials can be mixed in together to form a shirt, each of these materials has to be recycled separately. Which is why many fiber blend clothings can't be recycled easily. The recycling process is a lot easier for natural fibers. With synthetic fibers like polyesters, you have to shred the material and make it into little plastic pellets, which are then melted and extruded to form new fibers. Just like we talked about in our plastics episode, polyesters are basically what plastic bottles are made of. They're number one. <laughs> Just in bottle forms and not weavable threads. Exactly. This is how North Face is able to make old recycled bottles into their new line of jackets, or even the fabric of some shoes. As we keep learning, recycling is a lot more difficult than it might sound. Some new companies right now are researching ways to increase the amount of recycling we can do. 
Companies like Evernew are using solvents to turn old clothing into dissolved mush and draw completely new fibers from this. This reduces the sorting steps and means we can recycle many blended items. Sounds like we should just move away from blended and synthetic clothing altogether, right? Well, it's a trade-off. Polyester and blended clothing can be much more durable, meaning it will fade less and last longer before it even needs to be recycled. Oh, that's right. And for athletic clothes and swimwear, you can't use cotton because it absorbs too much moisture. Polyester is also more stain-resistant for the same reason. Since it's less absorbent, more of your ketchup stain will wash off easier. Yeah, I've seen you eat. There really is a benefit to synthetic clothing. Rude. But I guess synthetic fabric has a lot longer shelf life than natural ones. The shelf life of natural fibers like pure silk, wool, and cotton can be reduced because they get eaten by bugs. However, natural fibers are biodegradable, so if people do end up throwing these away, they'll degrade more easily than the synthetic clothing. Besides the commonly thought of cotton, biodegradable fabrics can also be made from cellulose to form rayon, viscose, and lyosol materials. These are fibers that can be made from tree byproducts. Even though cotton is also cellulose, growing cotton takes 20 times more water than growing trees. Clothing from rayon is more sustainable in terms of their water footprint. Oh, I guess I haven't even thought about the environmental impact of making new clothes. It's not just about recyclability. Nasreen, overall, how can we be more sustainable with our clothing? Increasing the life of an item of clothing by 9 months reduces carbon and water footprints by 20-30%. to 30%. More durable clothing can be reused or resold easier, or even recycled more effectively to produce higher quality recycled fibers. But it's not just about the durability, it's about fashion. I know, I know. I've seen your collection of Vogue and InStyle. Exactly, I can't just wear last year's trends. But you could always go for a classic look for the sake of the environment. And when that classic t-shirt fades or rips, remember to take it to a company like TerraCycle to avoid adding to the landfill. You've given me a lot to think about, Nasreen. I'm definitely going to start shopping more at thrift stores. I heard everything there is only 99 cents. Let's see what our guest Mateus Wallander has to say about this. And now with us is Mr. Mateus Wallander, the CEO of Use Again, a company that collects clothes and shoes for reuse and rewear across the United States. Mr. Wallander's goal is to make textile recycling as convenient to the average person as it is today to recycle glass, paper, and plastic, and to eventually achieve zero textile waste. Hi, this is Matthias. Hi, Matthias. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of us. Okay, so let's jump into it. Why don't you tell us about how Use Again got started? Sure. Use Again was born out of an interest to find a way to make a profit while doing good for people and planet. I think we've found a good way to combine those objectives by always taking people and planet into consideration when we make any decisions regarding profit. We started in 1999 in Seattle at a time when the consumption of clothes in the U.S. reached about 7 million tons a year. Um, It had grown from 2 million pounds in 1980 to 7 million pounds just 20 years later. And it continued to grow. So 
Today it's over 11 million pounds a year. Wow. 11 million tons. That's a lot. That, that was a, a shocking fact. And then also learning from EPA statistics that 85% of all these clothes are discarded in landfills. So it seemed like there was an opportunity here to figure out what the barriers were to increase the reuse and recycling of textiles. What we learned through our own research and other research was that the greatest barrier is convenience because everyone likes recycling, or most people do, and it makes sense. You don't want things to go to waste. But if it's not easy to participate, then um, it's just easier to put it in the trash. So uh, we set out to make reusing clothes as convenient to the average citizen as it is to recycle paper or plastic. Uh, so you had this idea. How did it kind of grow? We started in Seattle in 1999 with just 20 containers and then uh, grew there, and the next year we started up in Atlanta and in Chicago. So Atlanta is actually one of our oldest locations. Oh, that's interesting. Um, were people on board right away when you got started? Yeah, I mean, we were surprised. We thought maybe would we would have to do some marketing or promote the locations of the bins, but we found that as soon as we put out the bin and we tried to make them stand out through how they were painted and so on, but people started using them right away. So how did you get involved with this? Has sustainability always been a big part of your life? Yeah, I came into this from, uh, I was working in the nonprofit sector for a long time. After finishing high school, I, I went to Africa and started working with development. That's something that I continued doing then for many years, uh, training volunteers to work on development projects in Africa and Latin America. Uh, and that's how I, I also saw the, the need firsthand for used clothing. So, uh, and then I was approached by a good friend, who Janice, who started up Use Again in Seattle in 99. And uh, about half a year into the project, she, she reached out and asked if I was interested in, in joining. And, and of course I was. So, <laughs> so that's when, um, when I started with Use Again. That's, that's awesome. So what's Use Again's overall mission statement? Yeah, we do have a mission statement, and we have something we call our idea and purpose. I can summarize it in three parts. So the first part is that we work for people, and I feel we're doing some small part by redistributing resources that are considered waste in wealthier parts of the world to areas where the resources have a value. And the second Part of our mission is that we work for planet, and we do that by extending the life of building and conserving valuable resources. So each ton of textiles that we reuse instead of manufacturing new saves 15 tons of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. How does this compare with recycling other materials? So for paper, you save twice the weight uh, in greenhouse gas emissions. 
for plastic, I think it's about four times. So at 15 times, you make a big impact if you extend the life of clothing. And it's something not many people realize, but the fashion industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world today. Um, I've seen estimates that uh, about 10% or almost 10% of global greenhouse gas emissions are from the fashion industry. So there's very little regard for people and planet in, in the current system. And then the third part is that we work for profit to earn funds that we can invest in activities that promote and protect life and the natural world on our planet. And to create good jobs uh, that pay a living wage with good benefits. For more on Use Again's mission statement, you can check out their website at www.usagain.com or check out the link on our website. So what are kind of the main contributing factors to this environmental impact that the fashion industry has? We have become so far removed from how things are made, right? We, we go to a shiny store and, and buy whatever we want, and uh, we don't see the, the grime and dirt and stuff that goes into making the, the items. Um, but for clothing, uh, for a long time, most clothing was made from natural materials, so cotton and so on. Um, now it's mostly petrochemicals, so it's uh, man-made materials. And, of course, there the, the raw material is petroleum, uh, which pollutes to be extracted, and then it's turned into fiber, and it's spun, and it's uh, dyed, and, you know... There are many processes before you have a finished garment, and then it's transported to the the end market where we buy it. Is natural fibers then more sustainable? For cotton, it's a, it's the most polluting crop. It takes something like I think it's twenty five percent of all pesticide use in the world is applied to cotton or something crazy like that, and it, it's wow. also a very thirsty crop. So there is. Um, enormous environmental impact from from the regular cotton. Of course, organic cotton is better on the pesticide and, and uh, fertilizer use, but still a very thirsty crop. So there are a lot of environmental impacts that we don't really see or are aware of unless, uh, unless we listen to this podcast. <laughs> so how does Use Again tackle this problem? So most of what we collect is actually reused, uh, which is better in terms of environmental impact. And the greenhouse gas emissions from reuse, that's basically the emissions we have when we collect the material and then the, the shipping. So if the material is being reused in Central America or Africa, for example, the shipping to get the material there. And uh, there is a study from, I think it was the Salvation Army that made this study together with uh, Oxford University some years ago. And they found that the greenhouse gas emissions from reuse was 2.5% of the emissions from uh, manufacturing of new materials. So it's really very, very small in comparison. 
What about stuff that can't be reused? So if it can't, if the material can't be reused as clothing, the next best thing is if it can be reused as wiping rag. So it's downcycled, and then the next thing after that would be to recycle it into, for example, insulation material uh, to go in uh, washing machines you know, how the, the walls of the washing machines are insulated or in car insulating the engine compartment uh, under the floor and the doors and so on. There's even some housing insulation, uh, but not a whole lot made out of textiles. How much typically gets downcycled? Um, I think 10 to 15% of what we collect that would be downcycled eventually. It's not something that we do ourselves because we just wholesale the material. So it's our customers or our customers' customers that, that would be doing the recycling. In terms of reusing, how does this extend the life of clothing? Yeah, the, the main thing is to bring it to uh, a place where people see value in it. So just because you and I are tired of a garment or maybe we grew out of it, it, it's usually not worn out. In most cases now, people don't wear their clothing until it's worn out. So it's basically just getting it in front of somebody else who sees value in it. And that's our purpose, it's to aggregate the material and move it as economically as possible to a place where people can reuse it. And so do you do that um, pretty localized? Say I drop something off in Atlanta, would you try to redistribute it to other places in Atlanta or does it spread all over? Yeah, we have some domestic customers, but mostly it's overseas. Our biggest market is Central America because of uh, transport. So in Europe, uh, the, they also collect a lot of clothes and there they, the main market is Africa. So just because of geography, our main market is Central America. So going back to recycling, how does that process actually work? So it's, it's a sorting operation, typically. It's almost like a factory, you know, where they uh, bring in a large volume. So they buy material from companies like Use Again, but from many different companies. And then they it goes through a sorting process. So they will sort on the type of garment and then the quality of the garment. And there may be three or four different grades of quality. How many categories do you typically end up with? Maybe 15 categories with a first stage sorting where it's basically men's tops, women's tops, women's bottoms. And then each of those categories goes to a second sort where it's then more finely sorted and then a third sort and in some cases a fourth sort. And that's how you end up with these 500 categories. Some of those are then for recycling and those are the lowest quality garments that have by that time been sorted by the, the type of material. And then what? And then typically they will have a recycling operation attached to the sorting because this is very low value material. Even the good clothes, the reusable clothes that we sell, it's sold for just cents per pound. So it's not something that's worth 
transporting long distances, and then they create the insulation material from the, those categories. And the best thing is, of course, if the, the market for the uh, insulation material is right there. What are the main challenges with textile reusing, redistribution, or recycling? I mean, the main challenge is uh, it's a race against time to <laughs> to uh, reuse and recycle enough to uh, to maintain a livable planet. But more day-to-day challenges, I think, for textiles, it's really important to keep the material dry um, because just a little bit of humidity can really destroy the, the material and it can contaminate anything that's next to what we do is we bale the material in thousand pound bales so if something gets into a bale that's contaminated that's just a little humid that will contaminate most of that bale so what happens if humidity gets into the clothing it it starts molding so that's a big challenge is there a challenge specific to use again Finding suitable locations is always a challenge because we want to make it convenient for people. And at the same time, it has to look nice, right? And more and more communities are, our living spaces are more and more planned. So we have to work with building owners and cities to find suitable spots to make textile recycling, part of the landscape uh, without creating blight. So that's, right. that's a, a challenge. So currently there are these collection boxes. Do you ever foresee textile recycling becoming part of curbside recycling? There have been different attempts at doing this, and we've also tried it to collect textiles curbside, and there are different challenges with it. One is the cost, because if you have to stop by every house in a community and only a small portion will have textiles every time you come around, that's not cost-effective. Collection bins uh, is a much more cost-effective way to collect the material. Another challenge is contamination, because at least in some collection programs, the material is then commingled with other recyclables. And that, you know, if people do not clean out their recyclables completely or dry them, then uh, there is a possibility for contamination of the textiles. Where do you think the collection boxes work best? In uh, high-rise apartment buildings, we have actually many collection points in buildings, and there uh, it's super convenient uh, to go to the recycling area or the parking garage and drop up your textiles. And it's economical because there are maybe a couple of hundred people living in the building, so uh, it's worthwhile stopping by that bin and emptying the contents every week. So that's something that. That's working really well. And that's something we're actually looking to expand in the city of Atlanta. How can our listeners get involved? So one thing is if you don't have a collection bin in your apartment building, you can you can ask for one. You can also reach out directly to us and, and let us know that you don't have one and you would like one. Is there a way we can improve our overall sustainability in terms of textiles? Go through your closet and uh, purge what you're not using. I think when 
you know, 4 to 5% of our waste is textiles. That tells me that we're, we're not making it convenient enough. So people are moving out and they have all these bags. Now they're, you're emptying your closets and you have all these bags and the truck is coming and what do you do with it? And maybe if you sit, live in the city, maybe you don't have a car, so you can't take it somewhere. So I think it's those practical problems that caused us to have this high percentage of textile waste in, in the city where less people have cars, it's up to 10% of the waste that's made up of textiles. So if we purge what we have in our closets, so it's not uh, 14 bags, it's just one bag, then it's more feasible for us to, if we don't have a bin in the building, then we can take it with us somewhere and drop it off. What if you live far away from a collection bin? I mean, the the best thing, of course, is to reduce consumption. <laughs> there may not be a lot of buy-in for that, but to consume more consciously then, to, uh, to buy fewer items but higher quality items and things that you think you're going to uh, want to use for a longer time. Is this what you do? I buy used, find uh, a nice second-hand store uh, where they have a good selection. And, I mean, you can make tremendous bargains and the clothing barely looks used. Uh, those are my recommendations. Are there materials that you would recommend over others? Or are there any materials that you would suggest avoiding? I think what to avoid is these mixed content, the blended fibers in terms of recyclability. And there is new technology being developed now to uh, actually completely break down the the garment and uh, make new fiber. It's not in production yet, but there is a company in Sweden that uh, has developed a process that they're starting to test. So they, they actually, it's a chemical process where they break down the fibers in the garment and they claim that they can use any garment. They're starting with cotton jeans. And then they make this uh, pulp it uh, looks like uh, wood pulp, and it's, it's then an artificially made fiber that they can put into the same textile machines that uh, would be producing rayon. I, what I hear from many of these companies that do the sorting is that it's easier to recycle the material if it isn't a blended fiber because once the cotton is blended with some kind of synthetic stretchy fiber it gets very or impossible to separate the two again. Besides the US and Europe is there a global push for textile recycling? Uh, it seems that it's it's gaining traction all over the world. There is you know, textile collection even in China. Yeah, there there is a global push for reusing and recycling and and taking better care of our resources. Yeah, all over Asia, Japan, Australia. Oh, that's great to hear. So we typically like to end our episodes by asking for a fun fact. Well, one fun fact is that every time our bin is full, we plant a tree. So, uh, so far we've planted over a million trees wow. in, uh, in Southern Africa or in Africa. 
And uh, yeah, so this is another way that by using our bins, you actually fight global warming and climate change. And, uh, and we plant them with smallholder farmers. So they have climate benefits, but they also improve the livelihoods of the smallholder farmers uh, who learn to practice agroforestry, and the trees actually improve their yield. That's a cool concept. Is Use Again doing something similar locally? Uh, we're partnering with a lot of schools, uh, about a thousand schools uh, around the U.S. The school hosts one of our, we call them tree machines. It's our bin. Uh, you put clothes in it. We plant trees. And we are beginning to offer our school partners to uh, build a school garden with them. So uh, any of our school partners can now apply to to get a school garden, and we're building the first one in Long Beach, California, here next week. So this, this is the first public announcement. This was at the time of recording, which was the first week of July in 2019. Great. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Matthias. We really enjoyed having you. Fantastic. Thank you yeah. so much for the opportunity. That was Matthias Swallander, CEO of Use Again. Join us next time for an episode on metals. This episode was written by Elena Ewalds, Manali Banerjee, Nisreen Khan, and Hannah Woods. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nisreen Khan. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at talkgreentomepodcast or on Twitter at tgtmpodcast.